Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Pem Medicine, advancing medicine through precision diagnostics and novel therapies. Your host is Dr. Lee Friedman. Multiple myeloma is a common malignancy of plasma cells. Although there have been significant advances in survival over the past 15 years, patients still often live only a handful of years after diagnosis. Understanding and developing interventions to prevent the progression from precursor states to multiple myeloma would be significant advances. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with me today is Dr. Brendan Weiss, Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania at the Abramson Cancer Center. Dr. Weiss, thank you for being with us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, it's our pleasure, and I'm interested to hear about the myeloma program at Penn. Can you tell us a little bit about the program and who is in the program with you? We have uh, four faculty members uh, currently. The leader of the plasma cell program is Edward Statmauer, and um, my colleagues are uh, Dan Vogel and Adam Cohen. Um, and we each of us has our own um, specific research uh, focus. Dan, uh, our leader at Statmauer, is focused on uh, transplant-based therapies and transplant, uh, and as well as cellular therapies, immunotherapy. And Adam Cohen is also um, very involved and focused on immunotherapy for multiple myeloma, as well as amyloidosis, which is a related um, plasma cell disease. Uh, and Dan Vogel. Uh, is focused on new therapies and early clinical trials for relapse multiple myeloma. Uh, my personal research interests um, are in the uh, so-called myeloma precursor conditions, which um, are known as MGUS and smoldering myeloma. Um, as well, I lead the uh, Penn Multidisciplinary Amyloidosis Program, and I'm doing research in amyloidosis. So you really cover a wide range, uh, probably the whole gamut of plasma cell diseases. Yes, that's our goal at, at uh, the Abramson Cancer Center in the plasma cell uh, group is to um, be able to um, really address uh, all the needs of our patients as well as um, address, you know, the, there are many remaining important uh, research questions uh, in the plasma cell diseases. So perhaps you could uh, enlighten me a little bit about why we need some of these newer approaches. What is the standard treatment for multiple myeloma, and how successful is it? Um, that's a great question. You, during the intro, you, you said that myeloma patients live about a handful of years. And what's been um, really remarkable in myeloma over the past 15 to 20 years is how much progress there has been in outcomes for myeloma patients. And it has been due to... Um, the following major um, therapeutic advances. Uh, first, in the mid-1990s, we had um, high-dose melphalan and autologous stem cell transplantation, uh, and that was the first therapy to um, improve survival in myeloma patients for, for many decades. Um, and then um, there was the introduction of thalidomide which had been around for many years, but was first found to be active in myeloma in the late 1990s. Since then, um, thalidomide analogs, which are also known as immunomodulatory drugs, uh, lenalidomide and pomalidomide have been developed um, and have become available for use. And then another major development was the introduction of proteasome inhibitors. The first one was bortezomib and now carfilzomib. Um, 
And so together, all those um, uh, new therapies, including two new classes of drugs, which we collectively uh, refer to in the field as novel agents, have really dramatically improved the survival of myeloma patients. Um, and, um, you know, we anticipate that myeloma patients uh, who are diagnosed nowadays probably will have average survivals of 8 to 10 years. May I ask you about one of your interests that you brought up, because I'm an internist and I have a number of patients that I follow who have so-called MGUS, monoclonal gammopathy of uncertain significance, and we get the SPEPs and the immunofixation studies and typically don't treat until there is a, a significant abnormal protein spike. Uh, is that the right thing to do? Should we be intervening earlier? That's a really great question. Um, and that's been an area of interest um, in the field and my particular interest for some time. Um, in 2009, I, I published one of the studies that established that all patients with myeloma have a pre-existing monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance. And the real challenge in the field today is to try and figure out which patients um, with MGUS and smoldering myeloma um, have really high risk of developing myeloma-related end-organ damage um, in the short term. For those patients, it might make sense to treat them early. Um, and in fact, there was a study about a year ago um, uh, using lenalidomide and dexamethasone, which is an active regimen in myeloma, um, it was published in the New England Journal where they took patients with high-risk smoldering myeloma and treated them before they had any symptoms, and it did seem to show some benefits. Very interesting. And, and are there well-established risk factors that separate the average or low-risk from the higher-risk MGUS patients? Unfortunately, no. That is one of the reasons the study um, that I mentioned earlier that seemed to show a benefit in treating high-risk smoldering myeloma has not really changed our standard practice. And it's because they used a um, technology, flow cytometry on bone marrow plasma cells, that is unfortunately not widely available and has not been validated or standardized by multiple labs. And so the current technologies that we have don't reliably um, identify those patients who might benefit from treatment. I have a study going on right now here at Penn that uh, is trying to develop some newer biomarkers that we hope will be um, robust in identifying these patients, but also more easily performed um, throughout the general population. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman. And joining me today is Dr. Brendan Weiss, Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Weiss, you mentioned that one of your colleagues is working on newer therapies for relapse multiple myeloma. Can you tell us what is going on in that field? Yes, there's um, been a lot of excitement in some of the newer therapies um, for relapsed myeloma. Um, Although, as I mentioned earlier, we've made great strides with new classes of drugs such as um, immunomodulatory drugs and proteasome inhibitors, we still need some newer classes of drugs to um, continue to improve the outcomes for our patients. And so one class of drugs are HDAC inhibitors. 
Um, and there is currently um, an HDAC inhibitor, panobinostat, that is being evaluated by the FDA. Uh, but my colleague, Dan Vogel, has been working with a um, compound earlier in development um, that is a more targeted HDAC inhibitor um, that does look promising. Um, these HDAC inhibitors seem to work best uh, in combination with uh, bortezomib or a proteasome inhibitor. Um, and so it's exciting to see that possibly we will have another class of drugs um, to add to our uh, armamentarium. And am I right in assuming that these newer agents work at particular uh, points along the replication cycle of the abnormal cells? The proteasome inhibitors um, work on the machinery that recycles um, the intracellular proteins. Um, and by interrupting that process, it kind of chokes this, um, the plasma cell, which is one of the cells in the body that makes so much protein, i.e. the monoclonal immunoglobulin, and seems to be very susceptible to choking off that um, intracellular apparatus. And then amyloidosis is something that you're looking into, and another one of your colleagues, I think of this as a disease of the elderly that really doesn't have very effective treatment. Uh, bring me up to speed with that. Yeah, so amyloidosis is a very challenging disease, and um, the challenges are really, um, I would say, they're threefold currently. One is, first of all, identifying the patients before they get too sick, um, and that, um, you know, really requires an astute internist or neurologist or nephrologist who initially sees these patients with manifestations of amyloidosis, and that, that is a hard problem to solve. Um, the other issue is is really um, successfully um, killing the plasma cell clone that's making the immunoglobulin light chain that is causing the amyloid deposition. That area we've made advances because we've used all these new myeloma drugs that I've mentioned to uh, get deeper uh, hematologic um, responses. That's been encouraging. The third area um, is to actually go after the amyloid deposits that are already in the organs. And that so far has not been successful, but we have an early phase clinical trial here at Penn um, looking at a new compound that is a monoclonal antibody to target the existing amyloid deposits. And the trial, unfortunately, is too early uh, in its um, development to really comment on its um, efficacy, but we have been encouraged to see that it's a very uh, easily tolerated drug, which is important for these patients who are often very frail. So that really sounds fascinating. I imagine you talked about uh, making the diagnosis early because once the amyloid plaque is in the various organs, uh, you see organ dysfunction, um, but we may one day have something that actually breaks down the plaque in, in the organs after it's been deposited? Exactly. That's the exact goal of this compound. And uh, are there particular symptoms that you would encourage our listeners to be watching for to, you know, think about making this diagnosis early? Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, the symptoms are not generally specific for amyloidosis, but as an internist or cardiologist or nephrologist, if you see a patient who has um, unexplained fatigue or weight loss or protein in the urine, um, heart failure that does not respond to the typical uh, medications that improve uh, heart failure, um, 
neuropathy that is not otherwise um, explained. Um, and another catchphrase that some people find helpful is, if a, if a patient looks like they have a cancer, they're losing weight, they're tired, um, but no one can seem to find a cancer in the body, that's sometimes a clue that you should look for amyloidosis. And diagnosis made best by biopsy? The critical diagnostic test for amyloidosis is to find amyloid deposits. And um, it can be done at a surrogate site by using uh, abdominal fat and having the pathologist perform um, a Congo red stain. Or if that's negative, one can biopsy the organ that is involved, which would be you know, perhaps the heart or the kidney. Sometimes, of course, that requires a referral to a specialty uh, center that uh, is able to perform those tests. Very interesting and very important for us to keep in mind. I've been told that there's been some success using CAR T-cells in leukemia and lymphoma. Are we doing anything with that type of therapy for myeloma at Penn? Yes. So um, this uh, therapy has obviously gotten a lot of uh, attention for uh, acute uh, lymphoblastic leukemia and for chronic lymphocytic leukemia and increasingly now for some lymphomas based on the work of Carl June uh, and David Porter and others uh, here at Penn Medicine. And um, the reason those have been successful is those uh, T cells uh, have been, which are obtained from the patient, are engineered to target a protein on the surface of those uh, cancers, CD19. And myeloma cells also express CD19. Uh, at some level, and we have a pilot study ongoing at the moment looking at CD19-directed T-cells in myeloma, and we hope in the near future to have an um, additional target uh, identified on plasma cells to um, give more specific CAR T-cells to myeloma patients. And, and then you also mentioned uh, transplant. Is there work being done in transplant for myeloma? Um, yes. So um, for our current uh, CAR T-cell study, we are actually giving the CAR T-cells after uh, high-dose melphalan and autologous stem cell transplantation uh, in patients who have very high risk of relapse um, with the thought that we can... Um, control the myeloma and give some space for the CAR T-cells to eradicate any residual myeloma. And so that's a way of um, improving the results of transplant for myeloma. Um, and other studies that are being explored are studies to improve the maintenance therapy that we give after transplant with some of the newer uh, proteasome inhibitors. Well, it's clear that there have been major advances and new things on the horizon. If I could ask you to look 10, 5, 10 years uh, down the road, are there other things that you see coming in this field, Dr. Weiss? Yes, I think uh, the one area I didn't touch on um, was um, monoclonal antibodies for myeloma. Um, we've participated in trials of the um, anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody, daratumumab, which um, is looking, uh, at least based on the very early studies, looks very promising. And so we hope to have uh, a monoclonal antibody for myeloma. And hopefully this 
uh, agent or others in its class will combine well with our existing regimens and will be able to construct a, a multi-agent uh, chemotherapy regimen, uh, including a monoclonal antibody, um, that will be able to control myeloma for the long term in patients and perhaps um, reduce the need for stem cell transplants uh, early in the disease, which is our current uh, approach. Well, I very much want to thank Dr. Brandon Weiss for outlining for us some of the new developments and future developments in the treatment of plasma cell disorders, particularly multiple myeloma and amyloidosis. Uh, it looks like the future is very bright, Dr. Weiss. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. To download this podcast or to access others in the series, please visit reachmd.com slash pen and visit Penn Physician Link, an exclusive program that helps referring physicians connect with Penn. Here you can find education resources, information about our expedited referral process, and communication tools. To learn more, visit www.penmedicine.org slash physician link. Thank you for listening.